0: Father God, thank you. thank you for the freedom and the mercy that there is at your altar, Lord. I pray for today. I pray for words of life. I pray what is ever from me no one remembers, and what is from you will be echoed on to eternity. We love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. You guys may be seated. Hey, my name is Alex Holred. I get the uh, privilege of filling in uh, for Taylor today. Um, He'll jump back in next week, but we are in this newer series, and man, that last song, Come Ye Sinners, I I think that song, we could honestly just say amen and be done. Um, I just love it. I, I love the lyrics that says, sinner, like look at Jesus on the cross. Will that not suffice? Like how beautiful it is if you're like, oh, no, I'm really bad, I'm awful. Okay, okay, look at what Jesus did for you. Is that not enough? Of course it is. Like that is the greatest news. You can't out the grace of God. All right? Um, anyway, so I'm excited to be here today. We are going to dive into this two-part series that we called Legacy. And today we're going to dive into discipleship. And we're going to look into this relationship between Timothy um, and Paul. And it's this great picture of kind of this idea and what exactly is discipleship, and um, I'm excited for us to kind of dive into it, because if I'm honest, I remember a few years back, um, we were attending, we were at Tidal Creek uh, before Cross was started, and I remember Pastor David so bravely saying these words, he said, hey, if I'm honest, if someone came up to me and said, David, like, I want you to disciple me right now, he goes, I would kind of think, like, where do I start? Like, I know the Bible, and I know, I know, like, the things to say, but exactly how do I get someone from I just met Jesus to then having a, a loving, growing, thriving relationship in with him? And as he said that, I started going, uh-oh. Do I know how? Like, I mean, discipleship is a Christian word. We love to say, like, let's go make disciples. And it's like, okay, cool. What does that mean? You know? And, and so I think we get a look today at this picture Of Paul and of Timothy to get a better picture of what it is and I remember after hearing that myself I decided to look up there's a a, this ministry called the Navigators which has been around since the 1930s beautiful ministry a guy named Dawson Troutman and they're kind of like the navy seals of discipleship Um, I mean they got napkin drawings we're gonna draw some stuff on napkins or your pieces of paper today Um, but it's beautiful it's tangible you can understand it you can my goal and hope for us is today that you'd walk away going oh that's what this could look like. And so there's a lot of empty space on your notes. Uh, one, I don't like to be tied down, okay, so that's part of it. Uh, but two, there's, there's spots for you to kind of draw, and so we're going we're gonna to dive in, and here, here's the outline. Um, the outline, you know, today, we're going to look at 2 Timothy 2.2, and we're going to ask the question, what is discipleship? Who does it? And maybe more importantly, why do we do it? And so let's dive in. 2 Timothy two. 2. Uh, If you'll open your Bibles, I think we'll also have it here on the screen. This is Paul talking to Timothy. All right. He says, What you, Timothy, what you have heard from me, Paul, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I love that verse because if you caught it, there's four generations there. There's Paul teaching Timothy, Timothy teaching faithful men, faithful men teaching reliable people. And so you have four generations. So Paul in a sense gets to see his great grandkids in the faith. And he gives them this picture of like, this is what discipleship looks like. And so, if you see also on our bulletin, our primary, our primary mission here at Cross is preach the gospel and then make disciples. And so again, this is a great example of what does that second part mean? What does that mean for us? So maybe let's dive into this idea of what is discipleship as we look at 2 Timothy two. And that first part of what is discipleship, you'll see when he says, you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. The first part of discipleship we're going to realize is that discipleship is a personal relationship. It's a personal relationship. When Paul and Timothy were not like distant people, it's not like they knew each other just by writing letters. No, no, no. They knew each other. He, they were in each other's lives. They traveled together. They ate together. They broke bread together, right? They did these things together. It was a personal relationship. It's why you'll see um, many times, like in uh, the way Paul addresses Timothy, he'll say things like, My beloved son, Timothy. That means relationship. Or we say, My beloved friend, Timothy. There's this friendship. They, they knew one another. Or um, 2 Timothy uh, 3.10, a little bit further down, it says this. You, Timothy, however, have followed my teachings, my conduct, meaning you've been with me, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecution and suffering, that what happened to me in Antioch and um, Iconium and Lystra, which with the persecutions I endured, yet from all of that the Lord has rescued me. He's saying, you've been with me. So discipleship is a personal relationship. It's not just teaching, it's modeling it out. It's fleshing it out. It's why Paul can say things like in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, he'll say, uh, I was excited not just to share the gospel with you, but my very life as well. I love that. It's not just, let me go teach you the gospel and then run away. It's, no, 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 I want to live life with you. I want to, t- I want to share the gospel and then my life as well with you. It's why he can tell Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came to save sinners of who I, Paul, am the worst. Paul can say that, and Timothy's like, oh, yeah, you are the worst, Paul. I've been with you. You wake you up in the morning, you're cranky, right? Like he's able to see that. And, and when you live life and it's a personal relationship, you take this discipleship mentality, you're, you're taken off the pedestal. Because here's the thing, like it's easy to have a far-off mentor and be like, they're the best, they're so great. They like spend time with Jesus three hours a day, they pray four hours a day, and they fast, and they never curse. They're they're amazing, right? We, We can give that picture because you don't live life with them. But when you live life with somebody, you go, hmm, okay. Like, someone woke up wrong day, you know. And you're able to ask forgiveness. And you can teach and model asking forgiveness. Gosh, how important is that? Like, when I think of my kids, what my kids need most from me is, is not my teachings, my strength. They need most from dad to come and say, hey, I need you to know daddy made a mistake. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I mean, if I can model that for my kids, that would be awesome. And so it's a personal relationship. But the second thing, and this is kind of the title of the sermon, is that it's friendship with a vision. Discipleship is friendship with a vision. I mean, l- look at the vision he gives Timothy. He goes, hey, hey Timothy, What you've heard from me with all these people, I need you to go and trust it to other people who then will go tell other people. He goes, hey, I need to be part of the game. Like God wants to go and save the world and you're a part of it. And our friendship is gonna be a means by which that happens. Come on, let's go do this. It's friendship, it's with a vision. You're going somewhere with that. But the other thing, discipleship, is that discipleship is the tool for evangelism. This is what gets interesting. Discipleship becomes the means, becomes the tools for preaching the gospel. It's it's a way that we go and do that. So when I was meeting with some of my friends, um, Henry, he's worked for Navigators for a long time, and he says, Alex, um, do you know the Great Commission? I felt like he was testing me. And I was like, well, yes I do, Henry. It's Matthew 28. And he goes, okay do you know all the great commissions? And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> there's more than one? He goes, okay, let's talk. And then he pulled out a napkin, because they like to do this, and he said, hey, Alex, there's five There's five commissions that Jesus gives. Hey, let's walk through them. And so, when we begin, um, we're talking about discipleship, there's five great commissions. Here, here's the first one he pointed out, is Mark 16, 15. And, he drew, and he's drawing this out for me. He says, Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world, and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. He says, Alex, the point of that is to give you a goal. And he drew this little bullseye, and in the, in the bullseye he drew the world. And he said, our goal is for the world to know. Not just you and your friends, not just here in Buford, the world. Jesus had a worldly vision, not just a local vision. Yes, local, but it always grew, right, throughout more of that. So the goal was the world. And then the second commission, John 20, 21 says, Jesus, these are all Jesus saying this. Jesus says, as the Lord has sent me, go, I'm sending you. The Lord sent me, he sent me into the world. Now go, I'm sending you into the world. And he drew this stick figure. So here's the world, drew a stick figure. He says, the stick figure is Jesus. And he has this bow and arrow and he's getting ready to send you into the world. I was like, okay, okay, I'm ready. And then he says, okay, Acts 1.8, do you know it? And I was like, yes, Holy Spirit. Um, He's like, okay. And so he reads Acts 1.8 and says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And the emphasis on this is that you will receive power to go out. You're not doing it on your own. I don't know if you know this. I didn't. You don't have the JV Holy Spirit in you. You have the, like the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead? Crazy. It's in you. (laughs) It's in me. It's in me. Like, that's real. It's not like we got to sit down on the bench. He's like, no, get in the game. Like, the same Holy Spirit is in you. You're going and proclaiming him. And so he drew like the, it was weird, he kind of zigzagged it, but it was like the power of the bow. You know, it's the bow, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that launches us into the world. Because here's the thing. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know and how well you know them. I mean, that's what we're telling others, okay? And so, yeah, so he, he drew the stick figure. I was like, okay, okay, that's that's what we're doing. And then he gets me another verse, Luke 24, 47. And Jesus says, And repentance and forgiveness of sins, uh, sins should be proclaimed in his name in the nations, beginning here in Jerusalem. And in here, he drew this giant arrow. Um, like the head of the, the arrow, and he says, This is the message that we're sending into the world. That forgiveness, that repentance and forgiveness of sins is the is the gospel of which we're sending into the world. It's the good news, it's what we're doing. I was like, okay. And then he says, and now here's the last one: Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them everything I've commanded you. And he kind of drew the arrow. Here's that, you know, the, the, the arrow head. He drew the arrow and he says, This is the means by which we are proclaiming the good news to the world is through making disciples. It's you telling somebody, training them to go and tell somebody else. That is as personal relationship. It's the means by which we get to go and flesh out what we hear on Sundays. Because it's easy to hear this. The question is, how do we flesh it out? And you do that through relationships. And so, if the point of discipleship is, is personal relationship, it's friendship with a vision, it's the means by which we are sharing the gospel, All right. then the next part you read when he says, you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. Faithful men, faithful women. Right? Entrust this to others. This then becomes the question, what am I entrusting? Is it the gospel? Cause you're like, okay, I get that. But at what point do you like when you're hanging out with somebody, do you say, okay, we got that part down. Now what do I do? Or maybe you just met Jesus. Like I remember I was in high school. I, I had just met Jesus and this is the way I was kind of taught to follow him. All right, go read your Bible. I was like, and go to church. Great things. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check. I'm going to church. And then it was like, go read your Bible. And this is how I read the Bible, because nobody taught me. It was, Pfft. all right. And if I eat shellfish, I shall be stoned. Okay. Well, um, application, can't eat shrimp. And, you know, like, if you, if you, if you treat it like a magic eight ball, and it would, I'd be like, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? I don't know how to apply that. You know, like, that was the way I did it. And because and, nobody taught me. And I would say entrusting knowledge is that we, if you're entrusting, is that you have some knowledge that you are sharing with somebody else, that you're helping them walk a little bit further with this thing of the discipleship. Another analogy, this is, this is from Matt Chandler. I, I love this picture. He says, um, maybe discipleship looks like this. If you were sitting there at the piano and someone said, I want you to play Beethoven, you would sit there and go, I have no idea what that means, and I go, I can play this, and then, like, that's all I got, that's it. I don't care how mad you get at me, like, no, no, like, you need to, like, spend time, you're like, okay, I'll spend time, like, I don't know what to do, unless somebody comes and says, hey, Alex, see that note? Hey, that's a C, okay, this is the C chord, and I can begin to play, and depending how long that takes, it could take me years. But at least someone's walking with me and showing me what does it look like to follow Jesus. So there is this entrusting. We are supposed to give knowledge to other people in that. And so this is where we're going to have some fun drawing. So get excited um, because I want to give you, I want to make this at least applicable. Because again, I don't like the idea when we say, no, let's go make disciples. And you're going to leave here going, I know I'm supposed to do it. Just don't know what that means. So, like, here's this idea of entrusting. Here's some maybe um, a, a way that someone taught me of what I should give to people. Like, what can I go and walk along somebody that this is maybe a foundation that we could spend a couple years diving into? So, this first idea, uh, this is called the navigator wheel, if you've never heard of it. It's great. Dawson Troutman kind of created it to kind of help give people practical steps in, in following Jesus. And the first thing he did is says, this is the sinner, and the sinner is Christ, all right, He is the hub of which everything revolves around. In a sense, it's the gospel. It's, it's knowing this, that 2 Corinthians 5.17, that there, if, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old is gone, new has come. We need to know that. We need to know whose we are, or we'll believe a lot of lies and let other people tell us who we are. And so the hub, the center, is we need to help understand and teach people who Jesus is, who we are, and that he is the center. And then the second thing he said is, he drew this picture for me, he says, okay, then there's this outer circle, all right? And this outer circle is, is about obedience. It's about following Jesus. And, and here's the thing, there's verses for each one of these places, and, I, and I'll share some with you so you know. Um, but this, this outer circle is this idea of obedi- obedience. It's, it's, it's following Jesus' commands. And so examples of that uh, would be uh, John fourteen twenty one. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself or, uh, and reveal myself to him. Again, this is not this is how you believe in Jesus. This is I'm following Jesus. What are the next steps? And he goes well. Let's look at and try to figure out how do we obey him? Because then the question becomes, what does he say? <laughs> You know, if you're a new believer, like, I'll obey him, but what, 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 do I, what am I obeying? And so then he draws these spokes. And so the first spoke is this vertical spoke, okay, and it's the word of God. Okay, do we teach others how to read the word of God so they can understand it for themselves? This idea, maybe you've heard it, it's like, hey, spending time with Jesus, maybe people call it a quiet time or your devotional time. My question's always been, what does that look like? And to have someone say, hey, why don't we read John and maybe just highlight some passages that stand out. And maybe you get like a notebook and just write down some observations, maybe an application. Hey, why don't we do that together? Because I want you to know God's word. Because 2 Timothy three sixteen, right, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching. Or Joshua 1, 8, um, or sorry, not Joshua 1, 8, um, yeah, Joshua 1.8, keep the book of, of this law always on your minds, meditate on it day and night. Joshua Joshua's going, we need to meditate on this day and night. It's pretty important, so how do we do it? And then the next vertical spoke would be prayer. Okay, so how do we pray? Because I love this, maybe if you're in a community group and you've got this ever happen to you, hey Alex, will you close in prayer? And you're like, oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> Time out. I don't want to mess that up, right? Like, you're terrified to pray out loud. Um, because if we're honest, like, people say, hey, let's pray. And maybe you're like, I don't really know what that means. Or I don't know how to pray. What am I praying for exactly? That we would walk with somebody and, and talk about how they communicate with God. If prayer is how we communicate with him, the word is how he communicates with us. And then there's a couple other spokes in this. You've got these, these horizontal. It's the way we relate to others. And the other one would be fellowship. Fellowship, it's, it's church, it's being in a community group, is doing ministry, doing life with believers. We need to be doing that. That is so crucial. I mean, the scriptures you'll see in that um, would be like Matthew 18, 20, when, on more than, um, when one or two are gathered, there I am there with you also. Or Hebrews ten twenty-four through 25, which says, don't stop meeting together, but yet encourage one another all the more. So in this fellowship, we get encouraged. We don't ever want to stop meeting with one another. We need to be together as the body of Christ. But this is my favorite part. If we just stick together, and it's just us in this little huddle, great, but then there's a whole world that doesn't know. And so the other horizontal line would be witnessing. It would be sharing the gospel. And notice this. All four of those spokes, as my friend Henry is teaching me, they're all kind of equal. Like if, one, if you did all evangelism, all witnessing, but you weren't spending time in God's word, you didn't pray, and there was no fellowship, it'd be a really awkward wheel, and it wouldn't go anywhere. But all four of those spokes, they connect you to what? Christ. They connect you. That's how you are growing in your relationship with Jesus. But here's my favorite part. It's the obedience, the outside rim, is how it connects the outside world to Christ, you see that? It's through us and the way we love one another. John 13, 35, when Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. It's, the, it's us loving one another that the outside world goes, oh, wow. Uh, I'm intrigued. What, what is this life about? When it comes back to the witnessing, I want to give you this picture I, I give to my campaigners, which is what we call for Bible study and young life. I have them hold hands And they all hold hands, and they face inward. So we're holding hands. It's kind of like kumbaya, you know. And I go, hey, guys, this is great. We have fellowship. We'll have Jesus at the center. We'll have prayer, everything. This is good. But then I'll pause, and I'll say, but there's a whole school out there who's hurting, and we are not thinking about them because we got our own little thing going on here. And so I go, now hold hands and face outwards. Here we got community. We have fellowship. But guess what? We, have, we can see hurting people, and we bring them in. Our eyes are focused outward, outwards to bring people in. Um, okay, and so um, that is a great picture of, of what discipleship, of, of things we can invite people into. One quick story. My friend Matthew is a senior at Blythewood High School, and I'll never forget. We were walking through this together, and his junior year, he kind of lived a crazy life. He just lived a party life as a high schooler, and and so I was asking him his senior year, we were diving through this, and he says, Alex, I got to tell you something. Um, You know, Peyton, Peyton was a guy that he was trying to, like, he wanted to share Jesus with. He was really nervous, how to do that, and he's like, I I want Peyton to know, and you know what Peyton asked me today? Peyton was a freshman. He was a senior. I was like, what? And he says, Peyton asked me to take him to a party tonight, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, or no, he said, he he asked me to take him to a party last week, and I thought- I thought Matthew was going to say, so I did, you know. And I was like, well, what would you say? And he goes, I told him I, I did that last year. I did the party thing last year. And he's like, and it was okay. But, like, if I'm honest, like, it got born eventually. And he's it it like, I woke up still feeling the same anxious self I felt before. So now I, I kind of met Jesus this summer, as we told Peyton. He says, so I'm just trying to figure out what that looks like. And I want to walk with him. He's like, you know what Peyton told me? I was like, well, he says, I've never seen that will you tell me more about that Jesus guy? That was a freshman from a, uh, a freshman in high school. He was saying that to a senior. He's like, what? Because all the other seniors who love Jesus, they're still going to the parties. Like, what's different with you? Will you, will you teach me? Um, cool fact, he, Peyton ended up meeting Jesus that summer at Young Life Camp because of Matthew. It was awesome. Um, anyway, so what is discipleship? It's a great picture, but here's the question. Who does it? Who does the discipleship? All right. This is a very long point. All of you, all right, that's it. We're all called to make disciples. You're not excluded from this. If you're following Jesus, you're all called to make disciples. That's it. Hudson Taylor, he um, was a missionary in China. He is um, referred to as saying this quote, the great commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to obey. It's not an option to be considered. It's a command to obey. We are all called to obey this idea. I mean, if Jesus said it, and I just told you five different ways to go, how would I go to heaven and go, man, I didn't know. I thought I was just supposed to go to church. He goes, I told you five times, like, go and make disciples. And we'll get into why. Um, but who does it? All of us. We're all called to do it. That will look different in the season of life you're in. All right? Like, I get it. If you're like us, if you have little ones at home, I would say this. You're first called to make disciples of your family. Like, you are called to lead them. And again, like, I know that we can lead as much as we can, and they'll make their own decisions. But my goal is, like, I want to give them as much as I can, so that way when the Holy Spirit comes, boom, it'll ignite. But I want them to know Scripture. I want them to know who Jesus is. I, I, have I walked through that wheel with May. Of course I have. Right? Is she like, what does that mean? I was like, Yo, don't worry, we'll go through it. It'll make sense. Um, this idea, I want them to know who Jesus is. But then there's a question when you hear this, again, uh, 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says, entrust faithful men, faithful men, faithful women, this idea of who should I disciple is maybe a question. Or how do I know that this might be a person I, I should invite into it? Because it's not just like random. You're not just like, I'm discipling them, but they don't know it. Because that's weird. That's deceptive, right? Like, no, like you invite people into the process. And so the question is, how do I know if somebody would want that or if I should invite them in? And this is a horrible acronym. I'm so sorry. It's called FAT. Um, and uh, it means this. Um, are they faithful? F, faithful. Are they available? Like, do they have time? If you're like, I think this person's the right person. And you're like, I try to text them and they never text me back or they never call me back. They're probably not available. They're probably not someone you should go and invest a whole bunch of time with because like, they just don't have the time. And that's not a negative thing. It just means they don't have time. Faithful, available. The last thing, are they teachable? Are they teachable? So who should do it? All of us. But who are we looking? Are they faithful, available, teachable? I mean, maybe there's people in your community group that you're going, hey, let's dive into this. Again, maybe you're going, and this was me, I need to dive into it because I don't know what to do. Man, I hope some action steps we'll talk about. Is maybe fill in your next steps cards going, Can, I would love for someone to meet with me and walk with me. There's some great curriculum uh, we have here at Cross that kind of do that. Okay, um, but then let's get to the why then. This last part, why do we do it? Entrust faithful men who will be able to teach others. Look at kind of what the strategy of this is. Discipleship is multiplication. It's not just addition. And here's what I mean. I like to do this with my high school friends. I say, hey, if I could give you $10,000 a day every day for 30 days, would you take that? That's option one $10,000 a day, 30 days. Or a penny that doubles each day for 30 days, what do you want? Now, some of them know it's a trick question. Right? They're like, mm. I had one guy who's really smart. He just started doing the math in his head. He goes, all right, four pennies, eight pennies, 16 pennies, 32 pennies. And by the time he gets to like day 12, he's like, dude, I'll take the $10,000. That thing's going nowhere. Until you get to day like 24, it does go nowhere. But once day 24 hits, day 30, you'd have 5376000 dollars if you took the penny. Why do I say that? when you look at why we do this, it's multiplication. If, if we understood this idea that I am called to go and walk with life in a personal friendship, friendship with a vision with somebody, and I'm teaching them to go do that with somebody else, then I will go do it with another person, you see how quickly that thing can grow. I mean, it's gotta be why 2,000 years, this whole story is all over the world, and it started with 12, like how'd that happen? Because Jesus told him to go make disciples, not converts. Go make disciples, teaching them and entrusting them and telling others. And it becomes this multiplication thing. I want to give you maybe a little picture because I think sometimes we can think, okay, I meet Jesus and then I just learn a whole bunch of knowledge about Jesus until I die. Like it's a linear thing. So I, I want to give this other picture for you. Um, it's kind of the life cycle maybe of what discipleship looks like. And so I can't tell. It's on the screen, right? Cool. Um oh, there it is. Great. Okay, so this first part, and don't, don't worry, we're wrapping up. This first idea, I told you there'd be drawings, is that we share the gospel. That's that Matthew 16, 15, we already talked about that, that we would proclaim the gospel. That could be this first part in this discipleship relationship. But then the second part would be that we are, um, that we are, you can pull it up. There we go. Okay, that we're establishing them in the faith. I forgot the word for a second, that we are establishing them in the faith. That comes from Colossians 2, 6 through 7. I know that's really small, but you can just put down the reference, Colossians 2, 6 through 7, which talks about that they are being rooted and built up in their faith, that they're being established, that we're helping them. That's that example of like the wheel that I gave you. That's a way to establish people in the faith, that they can have a solid foundation. Because then the next part would be that we're equipping. And this comes from Ephesians 4, 12 which talks about that we are equipping the saints to do good works. So there's a season that you're hearing the gospel, then there's a season you're being established, and then there's a season you're being equipped. Equipped to go do what? The next thing. Being sent out. Again, there could be John 20, 21. As the Lord has sent me, go, I'm sending you. To go do what? To go share the gospel and repeat this over and over again, because that's the way of which we're gonna share the story with everyone here in Beaufort, but not just Beaufort, to the ends of the earth. It's what we're called, it's what we were created to do. We were created to reproduce. Literally, you know the first commandment in the Bible is be fruitful and multiply. It's the first thing he tells them. Clearly, we saw that. That that's you guys are we were doing that here in church. But here I want you to say this. He then goes and says in Matthew 28, I want you to also reproduce, but you're creating people in me, in Jesus' image, and that's what we're created to do. That's what we're supposed to do. We're called to create and reproduce his image through the ends of the earth. But then the last thing I want to say is why. Is it that God needs us? That God's like, all right, I need to get this story out. So I need my people to go be my minions and go do these things. All right, because I'm busy, so they need to do my bidding. That's not the case. I want to read to you Isaiah 43.10, part one. I want to see what would you choose in this. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen that you may fill in the blank. What would you say? Maybe you'd say something like, okay, I'm a witness, I'm chosen so that I may... Go and preach the gospel to the, the nation so that I can go tell everybody about his word. That's not the why. Here's the why. Here's, here's what it says. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Why do we make disciples? Because it's the way that you grow in knowing who Jesus is and who God is. It's not just you giving out to other people. Like, I'm so holy. No, no, no. If you go and make disciples, you realize real quick, I don't know what I'm doing. And you know what that means? If you have to go share the gospel with somebody, you're going to be like this, oh, Lord, please don't let me butcher this. Please let this work. I'm terrified. What if they hate me? What if they punch me in the face for telling them God loves them or something? And, you know, that's where you're going to start thinking. You know what that does? It causes you to pray real quick that causes you to lean on others in fellowship because you're going, how would you answer this question? I don't know. We're called to make disciples because it helps us know Jesus more. I had a mentor, his name was Jeff Miller here in town, and I remember going to him, asking him, I was like, hey Jeff, w- will, you, will you mentor me? And I was really nervous because he's really smart, and I'm smart, but like he's smart. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I said, will you, will you mentor me? And he's like, Alex, I'll do it under one condition. I got nervous. I was like, we're going to have to do it like 5 in the morning, aren't we? Like, that's what we're going to do. Um, I was like, that's great. I'm a morning person. And he, he pulled out his Bible, and he read of Romans 1, 11 through 12. He says, for I long to see that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. And he stopped there. And he goes, hey, I want this. I want to impart with you some knowledge that I have. And I was like, okay, check. That's why I'm asking you. 12. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. He said, I'm only going to do this if you realize this is a two-way street. I'm going to get as much as I'm giving. That's what mentor, that's what discipleship looks like. You are giving and you are receiving far more. It's why when Jesus says to lose your life is to find it, it's a way we practically lose our lives to find it. So here's the application. Here's how we kind of end today. The question for you is going to be, where are you in this process? I mean, it's a great way to think about, like, hey, where am I? Am am I someone that's like, I've never heard the gospel. If you're coming here, you're you're talking about discipleship. I just need to know who Jesus is. Man, we would love to tell you more. It's amazing. And if you're going, I need to know more of the gospel, that could be a great place to start. We're going to have some people back there you can pray with. Um, is a great place to start, or maybe you're going, okay, I, I've known Jesus for a long time, but I've never really been, like, the foundation. I've never really been established. Like, no one's ever walked with me. I would encourage you, will you, on the, connect, the, the next steps cards, sign up. Like, just say, hey, I, I want to I wanna know what does it look like to go deeper in my faith, like, more one-on-one, like, can you help me? Gosh, we would love to introduce that more with you. Or maybe you're going, hey, I, I kind of have my faith. I just don't know how to really start a discipleship, like relationship. It seems weird. Like, do I go and say, Would you be my disciple? Like that seems awkward. Um, what does that look like? I need, I need, I need tools. Will you fill out the next steps, cards, and kind of say that. Say, I'd love tools of what this looks like. And some of you are going, Hey, I have the time. I would love to pour out. I just don't know where to go next. And you might just say, Hey, I'm just willing to say, I would love to give whatever I have to, to somebody. Will you fill out the Next step, cards? Will you say that so we can connect to you so that way we as cross community can begin to pour into one another. Old, pour into young, young, pour into younger, right? Like that's the way this thing's gonna go. We need you. But I will say this, even when I say the words we need you, God does not need you. He wants you. Big difference. You're not needed to go and do this work. God wants to invite you into this work because you'll know him more. The discipleship is discipleship with a vision. You're not needed, you're wanted. Let's do this together. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here together. I pray that what is from me, everyone just forgot, but what is from you would echo on. We pray that we would know you deeper, fuller, that through giving our lives away to others, that we would get to know and savor the true king. I pray that there are people here that are wanting to go deeper, that we invite them in. There are people who have time to spend with others to invite them deeper Would they come in so that we would know who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.